0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3.
1: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, the Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, delighted to have you with me. I got to go to the economic news of the day because, uh, well, uh, there are problems out there. You know, so Joe Biden uh, spoke yesterday to the public. And in his speech, he talked about, well, you know, inflation really hadn't gone up a lot. Gas prices are below $3 a gallon. And to be fair, I was up at Barnsley Gardens, north of Atlanta, great place, great golf pro. Uh, my gosh, best golf lesson I've ever had. And um, I filled up my gas in my car and I've got a got a nice car, used premium gas and it was less than $3 a gallon. But subsequently, when I got home, it was over $3 a gallon for even regular unleaded, uh, and now it's gone up because of the hurricane. And with the stop of the uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserve release, it's probably going to go up higher again. Some analysts are now saying it can go back up to $5 a, a, a gallon. By the way, natural gas prices and are going back up. There's been, uh, it looks like sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines, one and two. Uh, If one of them had a leak, that would be something. But for both of them to get leaks, the European governments believe someone is sabotaging the pipelines. The Russians are saying it's the Americans who are sabotaging it. Gas prices are going to go up. Natural gas prices are going to go up. Energy prices are going to go up. And the president thinks it's no big deal. I want to play this audio for you. This is Brit Hume. He was on with um, uh, Brett Baer last night on Special Report, which used to be Brit Hume's show. Uh, handed it over, to Brett Bear, some time ago. Now he's a commentator. Listen to Brett Hume because he makes some good points.
2: Everything we know about, while well, some wages have gone up in some in in some industries and and maybe generally,
0: uh, all the data indicate that, that that those wage gains have been over more than overtaken by inflation, and the gas price stuff he's saying is nonsense. And people, th- this is not the kind of thing where you can fool people. You know, it's not some abstruse statistic. Where people can't see for themselves what's going on. They go to the gas pump, you know, every week or maybe more than that. And they can see what the prices are. And it doesn't help Biden or the Democrats for him to spout this nonsense that people can see is not true. And it also adds to the perception that he's not up to the job, which further drags his approval ratings down, which in turn drags his party down. So it's, it's, it's a bad way to govern and it's bad politics. But he
1: keeps, he keeps doing it. That's yeah. Biden. It is bad politics. He keeps putting the Democrats in a particularly precarious position. Not a good setup for him. Not a good setup for the Democrats as they head to November. This is the common conversation on CBS News last night about the Republicans headed into November.
0: Look, I mean, House Republicans are very confident that they will be able to take back the majority. And so that is why they wanted to kind of put this full-throated effort together to unveil this commitment to America and to really get on record and get on the board with what they want to do, whether that is trying to strengthen the economy, whether that is dealing with the issues of public safety and the border, whether that is, you know, protecting individual freedoms and dealing with the issue of education, health care, uh, and also conducting more oversight and government accountability. Those are a couple of the pillars of uh, their plan. And so Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy was joined by a number of Republicans throughout his conference. Um, and you know, from that standpoint, I mean, I think he feels very confident going into these midterms. As he told me, he feels that they've put up a lot of good candidates.
1: They have put up some good candidates. They've gotten rid of some clunkers. Uh, they got rid of Madison Cawthorn, it appears. It was the House Republican leadership that rallied behind the scenes to deprive Madison Cawthorn of money and support. Uh, they successfully beat him. I guess they didn't want him talking about their orgies or some such. Um, that's one of the things Wilde claims he claimed. You know, now that he lost, I'd like to know. Spill the beans, Madison. Spill the beans. And he hasn't. He's kind of disappeared. Uh, but then there's this from Melissa Lee at CNBC. We begin with the
0: S&P 500 not a new closing low for the year, posting its fifth straight day in the red. While the Dow Jones slips into bear market territory, dropping more than 20 percent, since its high hit back in January, all this has the British pound falling to an all time low this morning against the dollar. Just this month, the pound has dropped more than 8%. The pound's pain has been the dollar's gain.
1: The Dixie up again today, and for the month, it's climbed close to 5%. Rates
0: continuing to surge also. The two year climbing more than 13 basis points, closing above 4.3%. And check out the 10 year. It surged 22 basis points just today. The yield now 3.92%. Something just doesn't quite feel right,
1: Steve. Yes, something doesn't quite feel right. A little more from CNBC.
0: Do not underestimate the massive impact that rising rates may have on American business and family balance sheets. According to the New York Federal Reserve, total household debt is now at a record high of more than $16.1 trillion. A lot of that is housing, but it also includes a whopping $890 billion in credit card debt alone. And much of the growing debt is on a variable rate, meaning it will go up as rates go up. And it has been. Listen to this. According to Bankrate, the current average credit card APR stands at 18.1%. That is the highest since 1995. And with red-hot inflation making many essentials more expensive than ever already, what does this mean for the state of our debt?
1: Yeah. It's going to impact everybody one last one from mark zandy he's with moody's he was on cnn listen to this conversation believe me there's a point to playing all this audio other than i made charlie cut it up
2: continuous
0: rise in interest rates from the fed right and part of this is to ideally you know cool
2: things off but the impact that it's having on many americans is is pretty big i mean you look at the cost of if you're able to buy a home how much more if you're looking for a
0: mortgage now how much more that could cost you the cost of getting a car even just people who carry even a small amount of credit card debt that is really starting to be felt what's the ripple effect of that yeah no you're right uh mean I mean it's a, it's, a, it's there's the hot so-called hobson's choice there's no good choice here you know for the thirds or when they're raising rates because you know Raising rates now is putting pressure on lots of households, as you point out. Credit card rates are going up. If you want to buy a car or a home, it's now a lot more expensive, prohibitive, you know, for for many potential first-time home buyers. But you know, if the Federal Reserve doesn't slow the economy and doesn't bring inflation in, then we got a real problem down the road. And and if history is any guide, the Fed will ultimately have to press on the brakes, raise rates, a lot harder, raise rates a lot more than uh, they're doing now. And I won't be here telling you it's going to be a modest recession, a mild recession. I'll be telling you it's a, it's going to be a doozy, meaning very long, a year or so, uh, high unemployment, very painful. So the idea here is to you know, take some pain up front here, uh, try to get inflation back in reasonably well uh, so you can avoid, you know, a lot of pain down the road. But there's really no good choice. Pain
1: is coming. Pain is coming it's not gonna be pleasant for any of us. For the middle class and the lower middle class, it's going to be worse. And one of the frustrating bits here is the student loan bailout to benefit Harvard grads in the Ivy League. And by the way, that's primarily who's gonna benefit is uh, highly paid young people out of college. The overwhelming majority are white and upper income already, and it's going to be on the backs of the working class. That pain is going to come in the form of more inflation, $400 billion this thing is going to cost on on just a a cash accounting basis. Under the normal government standards of accounting, more than a trillion dollars spread out over 30 years. The bulk of the cost coming in the first 15 years. Joe Manchin was on CNN
2: talking about this student loan bailout. I just thought there was other ways that we could do it. I cannot answer when people call me and saying, "You're giving X amount of dollars away, ten thousand or twenty thousand to this 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 class. How about I paid mine off? What what? Why am I penalized? And how about the well, people so, in sure, the future?" Sure, and you and you oppose certainly you oppose this, but do you think it's going? Yes, that's right. Not but do you it. think do you think that it's going to hurt Democrats? It, it, during the midterms? I can't. I guess it depends on where you are. I can tell you in West Virginia, when I speak to my friends and, and colleagues and my constituents back home, I, they call and they, they would ask, Joe, I just can't make these debt pay these payments for my student loan. What can I do?" And I said, "Well, there's things you can do. If you're into the healthcare field, if you're into education, and if you're in the government services, I can show you how you can eliminate your debt by working it off. So that is a tremendous opportunity. So you can walk away debt free." I think that's a better alternative than just wiping it off and forgiving it and at it least people stranded. I just, uh, I think that's, there's a better way to do it. And I would have done it differently.
1: All of these things come into play as an economy slows down and people begin to lose their jobs. As interest rates continue to go up and businesses begin to slow down, we're going to have real impacts here. Uh, CNN, has a couple of data points out here. America's seniors are facing a lot of hard choices. After the Fed's latest rate hike, the combination of climbing prices on everything from food to gas to utilities and ever higher borrowing costs is making the finances of Americans on fixed income increasingly precarious. Overall, they have an increase in daily living expenses because of the economy right now, says Ella Thomas, executive director of the Thea Bowman Center, a Cleveland community center that provides food assistance and other services. It's definitely a problem. Thomas says many seniors the center serves who own their own homes are at risk of falling behind on property taxes and often don't have enough money to perform crucial repairs and upkeep. Being able to keep those homes up is a struggle for most of them. Bank of America has a survey. 71% of workers say their pay isn't keeping up with inflation. Nearly three in four employees say the cost of living is outpacing their salaries. The survey, which was taken in July and polled people who participate in 401k programs, reported half the employees said they've taken action to cope with financial strain in the past six months. Among those taking action, 21% said they're tapping emergency savings to pay bills. 21% are working extra hours. 20% are looking for a higher paying job. 6% are resorting to a 401k hardship withdrawal. 62% of workers are stressed about their finances. Inflation is the driving factor. The labor market, interestingly enough, is booming. The unemployment rate tumbled to 3.5% in July, the lowest since 1969. Hiring remains strong, layoffs are relatively uncommon, yet they're beginning to happen. And though the unemployment rate is 3.5%, the lowest since 1969, the labor force participation rate, the amount of people in the country who are in the workforce is also low. This is the political environment we head into in the last month of the general election of the midterms. Where Democrats were buoyed by good polling in July and August and the beginning of September, and now the pollsters begin to switch back to the likely voter model, and the Democrats are having to engage in wishful thinking that oh you know oh you know it's actually the abortion abortion is going to fire up uh, the the Democrat young Democrats are going to pour out that they're going to come out they're going to vote we're going to be safe we're gonna, we might save the house no you will not save the house. And now you may very well lose the Senate. The polling averages out there. In Nevada, Adam Laxalt is up. In Wisconsin, Ron Johnson is up. In Pennsylvania, John Fetterman's up. In Georgia, Warnock only up by three-tenths of a point. Warnock being up by three-tenths of a point is actually bad news for the Democrats because there's a two-point polling bias for Democrats in Georgia. Fetterman being up 4.5 points is bad news for the Democrats because there's actually a six-point polling bias for the Democrats in Pennsylvania over the last three election cycles. Laxalt up in Nevada. Johnson up in Wisconsin. The GOP could take the Senate. Kerry Lake is up in Arizona. Joe Lombardo is up in Nevada. Those are two pickups for a hold and a pickup for the GOP and governor's races. DeSantis and Kemp up, and the generic ballot now tied again, and the GOP typically outperforms it. The GOP may not have a massive wave, but they got enough to take over as the economy heads south, and presidents, it's unfair, I've always said it was unfair to presidents. They always get the blame when oftentimes it's not their fault for a souring economy. They get the credit when they've done nothing for a good economy, but in this case, Joe Biden deserved a lot of the blame. All of the Democratic advisors on the outside said, what you're doing is going to provoke inflation. Exactly what we got. And the economy comes crashing down around him because of his policies, and the voters know it. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. They're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like, I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bowling Branch, Where is they were just, like, too light and also not very soft. And the Bowling Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bowling Branch uses the highest quality threads on Earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from Twin to California Key you will feel the difference, and they're 100% free from toxins, no pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan wherever you are nationwide from Los Angeles, California, California, to Norfolk, Virginia, they can help your business grow. Yeah, reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. You buy in a building, build a building, building buy a franchise, expand and growing grow in a franchise. $750,000 deals or more for your business, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. Now, let's go to the phones. Chris, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Chris. How are you?
0: I'm great, Eric. Eric thank you so much for having me on. Eric, I'd sure. just like to see if you could give us a uh, update on what's going on over in Europe with the uh, North Stream pipeline that uh, has been potentially sabotaged or you know, compromised in some manner. European um, leaders are
1: starting to say sabotage. Okay. Um,
0: so here's I'm what's happening. I'm just wondering happening. if you could bring something to state on that. and I, I do have one question for you, though. Yeah, go ahead. Uh,
2: if if, if uh, Joe Biden was to miraculously in some way, have an epiphany, or I guess the drunks call it a moment of
0: clarity. What would be the single biggest thing that he could do, of uh, the policies that he's enacted uh, or canceled to help the American economy? Would it be the Keystone Pipeline? Uh,
1: You know, I I don't necessarily know that it would be the Keystone Pipeline, which would just bring Canadian oil through to American refineries to be refined. It would certainly speed it up. What I think he could do is reopen all of the leasing uh, on federal lands and in the Gulf of Mexico for access. Uh, He could expedite permitting. And that would lower energy prices immediately because uh, in a futures market, the future access to the oil there uh, would lower the price of a barrel of oil today, the way the futures markets work. So if he expanded it rapidly uh, and aggressively, it would incentivize business to invest. Because if you did that and you got rid of some of the regulatory red tape he has put in place, it would lower the costs of investment. So these oil companies that take 20 years to get a return on investment normally could speed up their return on investment and they would invest. That would lower energy prices, lower energy prices would lower inflationary prices. This is one of the things the elite in the media don't talk about is a lot of our inflation is so tied to energy. If you start pumping more oil out, you start lowering prices and cutting off inflation. But they don't want to do it because they bought into the cult of climate change. Now, as for the Nord Stream pipeline, there are two. There's the Nord Stream 1 and the Nord Stream 2. Both of them have sprung leaks. And according to Reuters, uh, these leaks are so significant, it will take weeks to patch. And ships in the area are warned that they could lose buoyancy and sink. There's so much methane in the water now. It's affected the buoyancy of the water it appears to be sabotage. The Russians are saying it compromises European energy. The Europeans are beginning to say someone is sabotaging the pipelines. The Russians are pointing their fingers at us. I don't know why the Russians would sabotage their own pipeline. They can just cut off the gas. However, if the Russians wanted to make people think it was us, they would sabotage the pipeline and say, well, it wasn't us. Why would we do this? Was it us? I don't know. Uh, we're, we're cutting off natural gas to Germany. I guess that makes them more dependent on us. The problem is the president is blocking uh, the the global shipment of natural gas, and Justin Trudeau in Canada is also not expediting it. Somebody's hurting these pipelines. and Something's going on. It's not a good situation, and we need more answers. When we come back, we need to get back to the oil refineries as well and take your phone calls. Well, this just into the Eric Erickson show. Uh, Auburn University is confirming its first case of monkeypox on campus, so it's got that going for it in football season. Um, nothing else is going right for Auburn, uh, poor team. But hey, they they can be first in the SEC with monkey I guess. Now, we got... <laughs> I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. Had to do it. I got a friend of mine who's going to listen to this later. Massive Auburn fan. Texts me angrily every weekend about the state of the team. He's going to listen to this later, and I'm going to know the exact moment he hears it. <laughs> All right. All right. We, we, got it. we got to move back to... The pipeline stuff. So, um, I am very frustrated with a lot of people who have embraced conspiratorial thinking these days. Whenever something bad happens, they immediately jump to it. it, it it's got to, there's got to be conspiracy. There's got to be sabotage. There's got to be something. Um, take, for example, for a while, there was a trend on social media about, um, Food warehouses and food distribution facilities going up in flames or being sabotaged. Um, They even listed one here in Georgia. This is the one that really got me thinking about it when it came up, I think, on a Tucker Carlson report. Uh, about a plane crashing into a food processing facility George actually it was in the parking lot the food processing facility was undamaged uh it appeared a father and a daughter taking off on a plane uh mechanical problems tragedy uh the, the crash take off and yet the conspiracists wove it into oh this is another attack on a food processing facility it, it was not. Which then got me Googling, and you know there are like three to five thousand fires and other incidents at food processing facilities every year. I had no idea it was that many, Uh, and that's like the annual rate. It's not some one-off thing. And so then I started looking around at where where the conspiracists saying uh, this, that, and the other. And and one of them was well, it was a um, meat facility in Boston was another one that was sabotaged. Started looking. What is this meat facility in Boston? Well, it turns out it's a 100-plus-year-old butcher shop, had an electrical fire and old wiring. That's it. That's what it was. Um, and yet, you can't dissuade the conspiracy theorists. So there was a, an oil refinery fire, uh, and it was supposedly the biggest oil refinery in the nation, caught on fire and had to shut down. And that one, it turns out, it's not even in the top 10 oil refineries. It's in Ohio. Two people died. But there have now been three subsequent oil refinery fires. It turns out, and I know this from growing up in Louisiana, oil refinery fires are are fairly common. But the speculation of some now is that, well, maybe these are the Russians uh, hacking uh, electrically uh, over the Internet and causing it. We, We don't have any proof that that's the case. What we have are some isolated fires at some oil refineries. It's actually fairly common, more common than you might think. Uh, And they haven't destroyed any of these refineries. But, of course, the conspiracists are out there. Now, maybe this is one of the cases, even on CNN, someone was speculating about this, or CNBC, rather, that is, is this some sort of hacking. Thus far, the government's dismissing it, and even the oil companies are dismissing it, saying these were accidents that happened. Of course, the conspiracists don't believe any of those people. They don't even believe me. But in the oil pipeline case or the natural gas pipeline case in Europe, if the conspiracists said sabotage, they would be on to something for sure. It appears there is sabotage. Listen, uh, if there's a leak in a pipeline, leaks in pipelines, particularly undersea pipelines, they happen. For two of them to happen is a coincidence. For three of them to happen at the same time is probably some level of nefarious operation. This is from, I mean, even CNN is picking up the story. European countries on Tuesday have raced to investigate Unexplained leaks in two Russian gas pipelines running under the Baltic Sea near Sweden and Denmark infrastructure at the heart of an energy crisis. Experts and also Russia, which built the network, say sabotage can't be ruled out. Sweden's maritime authority issued a warning about two leaks in the Nord 1 Nord Stream 1 pipeline shortly after the leak in the nearby Nord Stream 2 pipeline was discovered. Denmark is restricting shipping in a five nautical mile radius. Both pipelines have been flashpoints in an escalating energy crisis. There are some indications it's deliberate. You have to ask who would profit. Russia said the leak in the Russian network was a cause for concern and sabotage was a possibility. Neither pipeline was pumping gas to Europe at the time the leaks were found amid a dispute over the war in Ukraine. The destruction that occurred on the same day simultaneously on three strings of the undershore gas pipeline is unprecedented. It's not yet possible to estimate the timing of the restoration. Neither were in operation, though, but both pipelines still contained gas under pressure. Gazprom, the Russian gas monopoly, declined to comment. The leaks happened just before the ceremonial launch on Tuesday of the Baltic pipe carrying gas from Norway to Poland, a centerpiece in Warsaw's efforts to diversify from Russian supplies. Norway's Petroleum Safety Authority has urged oil companies on Monday to be vigilant against unidentified drones seen flying near Norwegian offshore oil and gas platforms, warning of possible attacks. There's something happening. We don't know who's responsible. The Russians are blaming us. Probably is not Joe Biden. Joe Biden doesn't even want to get uh, natural gas into ships to send to Europe. Uh, and Justin Trudeau doesn't either. It could be someone causing mischief, uh, Russian nationalists, others. I mean, there's all sorts of speculation, but it does appear that in this case, the conspiracy theorists might be right. That this just doesn't appear to be a coincidence. It appears to be something deliberate, something of sabotage on these pipelines. I have a hard time believing Vladimir Putin himself would do it because all he can has to do is turn the gas off. It's his gas. But clearly someone's doing something, uh, spreading methane. And of course, the environmentalists are worried about the climate change impact. Now, I want to go back to the phones, 877-973-7425. Jim, you're going to be up next on the show. Welcome to the show, Jim.
0: Hey, thanks for taking my call. So I I had a question uh, on your opinion of the Democrat Party using Joe Biden as a patsy. There's been many policy changes that have come along, um, Afghanistan being one of them, where, where they say that Joe has kind of gone against the recommendations of the advisors? This would give the Democrats a big red bow to say everything bad that's happened was Joe's doing against the will of us and that we can save you. Do you see anything along those lines? It seems like there's there's definitely a separation from the party and Joe.
1: They're going to dip Jimmy Carter him. Um, If you'll recall up until 1996, Jimmy Carter was persona non grata at all Democratic presidential conventions. Uh, He was nowhere to be seen in 84, in 88, or 92. He was not invited. Bill Clinton welcomed him back into the fold in 96. Uh, And then Bill Clinton decided he hated him and and didn't want him there uh, in the 2000 when Al Gore didn't. No, I'm sorry. It was the 2000. It wasn't 96 because Clinton didn't like him. It was 2000. Al Gore invited him in 2000. Uh, And that was the first time back. They're going to Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden. They're going to say, hey, look, uh, no. not our fault. This is all Joe Biden. Joe Biden did this. Look, we said the student loan bailout was unconstitutional. Joe did it. We didn't withdraw from Afghanistan. Joe Biden withdrew from Afghanistan. We didn't do these things. Joe Biden, they are going to Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden so quick. Joe Biden might as well go on out and get a rabbit to chase him. They're going to do this. Now, the difference between then and now, is that the Democrats felt secure in their congressional position. Now, you should keep in mind that uh, the Republicans took the Senate in 1980. And this is something I keep going back to time and time again that people tend to forget about. We are seeing the worst inflation since 1979 when Jimmy Carter was president. The economy is starting to go downhill quickly. People are beginning to fret. What's so interesting to me is the spin out of this White House and how the White House is trying to suggest that American confidence is actually okay with stuff right now when really they're not. In fact, the deputy White House press secretary today pushed out a story Uh, saying consumers are growing more optimistic about the U.S. economy. Consumer confidence rose for the second straight month in September as moderating gas prices and the hope that inflation pressures might be easing helped lift the nation's collective mood. However, when you read into the story, it turns out that most Americans looking forward are deeply alarmed by what's coming. It doesn't look like consumers are worried right now but it looks like consumers know bad things are coming in fact uh my buddy matt whitlock uh pointed out to this uh one of the quotes in here is a leading economic index notched its sixth consecutive drop which the organized organization senior director of economics said is a potential signaling of a recession even as white house even as the white house pointed out consumer confidence bumped up in september It's a cell phone by the White House to push out something where the indicators that are being relied on by the public are flashing red lights that there's a recession coming. The difference between then and now is that the Democrats were secure in their position and they're not right now. The Democrats could lose the Senate. They more likely than not will lose the House. And so what's gonna happen to Joe Biden will be even more brutal now than what happened to Jimmy Carter where he was largely exiled from the party. Also, Jimmy Carter, despite all the hagiography about Jimmy Carter's post-presidency, you ask any of the presidents, Democrat or Republican who came after him, not a single one of them like the man. I've heard stories about Jimmy Carter behind the scenes. I don't know that I would like the man either. I've heard stories from presidents of the United States on both parties. They don't like Jimmy Carter. None of them care for the man. And Joe Biden is going to be in the same category as Jimmy Carter, except for the accidental senators. And this is the part, going back to Jimmy Carter, that people forget. In 1980, the economy was on the rock so bad with Carter as president that six Republicans got elected to the U.S. Senate. No one could predict got elected. The polls were wrong. The polls showed the Democrats were going to win. You had Republicans get elected in Georgia, Florida, And North Carolina and three other states, I can't remember now, all of them were gone after one term. But the Republicans took the Senate from the Democrats. It was such an accident, no one expected it, that no one actually knew how to transition power in the Senate. The Democrats had held the Senate for so long, people had forgotten the precedence by which you transfer the power to the other party. Literally, not making that up. There was a big news story at the time in the Washington Post that that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans know what to do. They're having to call up scholars to figure out how to transition the power because it hasn't been done since the 1950s. Well, they figured it out, and it was a surprise, and the polls were wrong in 1980 in those six races. None of those Republicans, Washington State was another one. I forget the other two now, uh, but they became became accidental senators, they were called, one term because the economy was so bad. And Jimmy Carter was thrown under the bus by the Democratic Party, didn't rear his head at a Democratic convention again until 2000 when Al Gore invited him. And then, of course, Gore lost. The same thing's going to happen to Joe Biden. He will be the scapegoat for the Democrats when things go badly for him. One of the groups that's helping make things go bad for them is Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is a cell phone company. If you move your service to them and help them grow their profits, they take a portion of their profits and they give it to the conservative causes you care about. Whether it's defense of the second amendment or defense of life or defense of veterans and first responders, the Patriot Mobile helps the conservative movement. They've also been helping local candidates in local school board races who are conservatives uh, purge woke Democrats from local school boards. In 11 of the races they engaged in, they won all 11 of those races, and they do it with you as their partner by sending your business to them. You can port your cell phone number over. You can get a brand new cell phone number from them. You can bring your unlocked cell phone to them or get a new cell phone from them. It's PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. You get free activation with my name, PatriotMobile.com. Slash Eric, Or you can call them, 100% U.S.-based customer service. You get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else uses, so you're not going to be hurting for service. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric, or their phone number is 972-PATRIOT. Tell them I sent you. You get free activation, 972-PATRIOT. Hello there, welcome, it is Eric Erickson here. Just an update on the situation for my Florida listeners. Uh, The Tampa airport is going to suspend all operations at 5 p.m. today. Orlando International Airport will suspend operations at 10.30 a.m. tomorrow, subject to change as Hurricane Ian is approaching South Florida. The winds and the rains are picking up there. They intend to shut everything down. Now, I, I gotta go back to this pipeline story because I just got over to the London Telegraph the London Telegraph has a story out that the Russians uh, could actually be the ones sabotaging the Nord Stream One and Two pipelines. Uh, the the Russians turned off the Nord One pipeline and have not actually made the Nord Stream Two pipeline operational. This comes as the Norwegians have started a new pipeline that runs very close to those pipelines. Uh, Vladimir Putin in the past has been known to sabotage. Uh, To use energy and exploit it in crisis. The energy prices in Europe have been going down the last several weeks as the Norwegians turned on their pipeline into Poland and suddenly they have soared 30%. So there's actual credible speculation. It actually is the Russians that have uh, sabotaged their own pipelines that Putin had no interest in actually re-upping or using at the moment. Uh, He hadn't turned on the Nord Stream 1 pipeline since August when it supposedly went down for maintenance and wants to remind the Europeans that he can take out their other pipelines. This, by the way, is another reason that just like we did with the Berlin Airlift, we should be commissioning every ship at sea possible to start sending natural gas to Europe so they're not dependent on them. Now, the, the ships at sea are getting Joe Biden into trouble in Puerto Rico. The president is facing pressure to waive restrictions as ships idle off Puerto Rico's coast. They're facing a humanitarian crisis in Puerto Rico because of Hurricane Fiona. President Biden faced growing pressure Monday to grant a federal waiver and allow a British petroleum ship loaded with diesel fuel to access a port in Puerto Rico where hundreds of thousands of hurricane ravaged Americans remain without power. Because the ship is not U.S. owned, it has been idling off the island's coast, awaiting a decision by the Biden administration on waiving the Jones Act, a century-old law backed by labor unions and key to the president's Made in America agenda. Despite mounting calls from the governor of Puerto Rico, local activists and members of Congress, the Biden administration did not grant the waiver required for the ship to dock Monday, raising concerns the ship could soon leave the power-starved nation. For perspective, Puerto Rico has been ravaged by Hurricane Fiona. Part of the nation is without power. They are running low on fuel supplies, among other things. When the last hurricane hit, Democrats regularly assailed President Trump as uh, uncaring, cold, and racist for ignoring the plight of the people of Puerto Rico. President Biden is unwilling to waive the Jones Act, which requires only American ships uh, deliver fuel. It's a centuries-old law that labor unions like. A British Petroleum ship with precious diesel needed in Puerto Rico has been idling off the coast, and the president is refusing to waive the Jones Act so that that ship can deliver fuel. Puerto Rico needs the fuel. And Biden won't let them have it. Again, if this was Donald Trump, the entirety of the American media would be in outrage about it, screaming that he's a racist for not helping the Puerto Ricans. But this time, it's Joe Biden trying to, to get a pat on the back from the labor unions that's costing Puerto Rico precious time and energy.